Tonight on Huckabee, the fight to stop the killing of African-American children. Taya Kyle reveals people of courage across America. And Jeff Allen and Danny Goki perform. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you. Thank you very much. Great audience that we brought out here tonight. We're going to keep them. We've locked the doors. They're going to stay for the next 16 shows. They don't know it, but we will feed them sandwiches between our shows. Not a problem. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but this week America celebrates its 243rd birthday. That makes America just a little older than most of the leading Democrat candidates for president. <laughs> now, Americans are going to be taking the day off. They'll be heading to the beach or lake, cook their meals outdoors, watch some fireworks, catch a parade, and maybe have some watermelon or homemade ice cream. Hopefully both. Our nation's story, I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's nothing short of incredible. It was a startup nation of settlers disgusted by the tyranny of their home country and the hostility to their faith and freedom. They risk all in an undeveloped land, successfully shook their fist at the King of England and his most formidable army and navy, declaring that they preferred liberty over life. The revolution launched on July 4th, 1776, and it was bold, daring. And just looking at it from the outside, it was utterly stupid. I mean. Who do these folks think they were? They were merchants and farmers and carpenters and teachers and clergy who grabbed muskets from their mantles that were better suited for hunting varmints than starting a war, especially against the largest and best trained, best equipped, even the best dressed military on the planet. I mean, there is no way these guys should have avoided being slaughtered in short order. But they fought for a cause while the Brits were fighting for a king a king whose wealth they knew they would never share. Miraculously, this ragtag American group of colonists pulled off a bigger upset than the Jets beating the Colts in Super Bowl III. <laughs> People laughing were old enough to remember what a big deal that was. <laughs> and though there were repeated attempts to destroy this new upstart nation of rebels and revolutionaries, not only did they prevail, but our fledgling country grew stronger based on the notion that we're individuals gifted by God with freedom of conscience, thought, and speech, America embedded in its new constitution truly radical notions never attempted. A government that had three branches that would check and balance each other and keep any one of those branches from grabbing power away from the people. It was a government that was severely limited in what it could do in order to maximize the freedom of the citizens to live as they pleased. And there were a strict set of protections that kept the government from seizing private property, arresting or jailing people without due process, and a presumption of innocence and a right to a speedy trial by a jury of one's peers. You know, we take these things for granted, but they form the foundation of what makes us a nation that empowers the individual instead of the state. Now, tragically, Many Americans seem oblivious to these tenets of our national soul, and they blithely yawn when freedoms are sliced away by a government that has become a menacing monster, regulating our existence with a new kind of tyranny of overreaching regulations, power to confiscate private property, and the newest disease to our democracy, political correctness. Our nation has been far from perfect, I mean, sometimes systematically sinning against people of color are subjecting women to less than full rights to even vote. But the genius of our system is that while our basic constitutional framework is settled, we do have the power to change it. Hopefully, the good sense to change it for the better. 
You see, our founders unapologetically based our laws and society on a Judeo-Christian understanding of the value, responsibility, and accountability of the individual and the rule of law. So when we celebrate the 4th of July, let's not just celebrate barbecue ribs, potato salad, and hot dogs. Let's actually celebrate that we live in the greatest nation on earth. And let's work hard to keep it that way. My next guest could have been just one more anonymous abortion casualty, but instead he grew up in a loving Christian family with 10 adopted children. He's an author, singer, speaker, and fighter against an abortion industry that specifically targets African Americans. Would you please welcome Ryan Baumberger. <laughs> Ryan, great to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you so very much. I think the obvious beginning point is to talk about what brought the pro-life movement into your life and made you so passionate about saving unborn lives. My birth mom experienced the horror and the violence of rape mm. and yet still gave me the incredible gift of life and gave me the gift of adoption. And so that's why I'm so passionate about the issue of life, defending every human life, because none of us control the circumstances of our conception. You know, I'm sure you get pushback from people who ideologically and philosophically tell you that a, a kid conceived like you shouldn't have been allowed to live. But then how do they argue with you? They have a hard time. They have a hard time with it. I mean, you have the, the rhetoric from Planned Parenthood that of course says any life that is unplanned or unintended is gonna be unwanted and unloved. But yet my parents shattered the myth of the unwanted child. Yeah. They loved all of us, they loved me. In fact, I was the first one. So they adopted me and then every year is a new flavor added huh. to the family. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they, they really did shatter that. And, and what they showed is that God enables triumph to rise from tragedy yeah. all the time. My, my worth is, is equal with anyone who was planned. When we were all created in the image of God, there's no asterisk that says, oh wait, only if you're humanly planned. We're fearfully and wonderfully made because we're made by the Creator. More African-American kids are taken in abortion proportionally, I mean, out of proportion. So why would we hear more of that? You know, it's tragic. In fact, one of the first things that we did, my wife and I started the, the organization called the Radiance Foundation, and one of the first things we did, we decided to take two of the easiest topics possible, race and abortion, and combine them. Yeah, those aren't controversial. <laughs> Not at all. Not that, yeah. Uh, and we launched this in Atlanta, 60 billboards that actually dealt with the hugely disproportionate impact of abortion yeah. in the black community, where, as you said, more black babies are aborted than born alive in New York City, the home of Planned mm. Parenthood. Mm. And so we launched this, and Planned Parenthood didn't know what, what to do with it. Of course, the left went, you know, apoplectic over it. But we were highlighting the fact that abortion is the number one killer in the black community. And yet you hear, black lives matter, black lives matter. Well, they matter in and out of the womb. Yeah. So. You know, it's also interesting, the uh, history of Planned Parenthood, founded by Margaret Sanger. She was a racist, a eugenicist. She was anti-human. I mean, yeah. she, and this is what happens when you think that you're supreme above someone else. And so Planned Parenthood still celebrates Margaret Sanger every year. They give out what's called the Maggie Award for those who, who help to, you know, promote the, the work of Planned Parenthood, which is abortion. We all know that. We've seen some pretty big legislation in states like Alabama, Georgia, Missouri lately, uh, where basically it's, it's abortion is, is being, for all practical purposes, outlawed. Uh, are there any downsides? Downsides to saving and valuing every human life? I, mean, I would I say heck no. Yeah. Okay, I mean, good. every human life matters. Yeah. And I love the fact yeah, that, I mean, Governor, you have courageous politicians, and I'm just going to say it, Republicans and a handful of Democrat, pro-life Democrats, yeah. but mostly Republicans. And I love the way the mainstream media is demonizing them, saying, you know, all white men voted to ban abortion, and, you know, white men are deciding what to do with women's lives. Well, seven white men in black robes at the Supreme Court gave us the violence of Roe in the first place. Well reminded to all of us. You speak on a lot of college campuses, sometimes not so popularly. <laughs> uh, you've been run off some college campuses. What is the objection to you coming on a campus and telling your story? So when I go onto campuses, like for instance, a, an evangelical college, uh, Wheaton College. Really? Where I was talking, the presentation was called Black Lives Matter In and Out of the Womb. Yeah. And so I was demonized six days later where they sent a campus-wide email saying my presentation was offensive rhetoric and that it made student staff and faculty of color feel unheard, underrepresented, and unsafe 
on campus. I mean, I don't know a how I make people feel unsafe. School. A Christian school because they don't like the fact that I'm calling out, for instance, the Black Lives Matter movement and the fact that it partners with and announced solidarity with Planned Parenthood. You can't say Black Lives Matter and then partner with the leading killer of black lives. It, it really doesn't make sense. I want you to tell us about your book. It's called Not Equal, Civil Rights Gone Wrong. How have civil rights gone wrong in our culture today? This book was birthed out of the surreal experience of being sued by the NAACP. You got sued. I got sued. <laughs> I mean, hello, brown guy. <laughs> uh, I parodied the NAACP's name. I wrote an article about them after we launched a billboard campaign in the very conservative San Francisco Bay Area. We put up billboards <laughs> that, said, that said black and beautiful, too many aborted.com. And so we were denounced by the ACLU, denounced by Planned Parenthood, and then we were denounced by the NAACP that said our campaign was horribly racist. So I wrote an article about them and about their radical pro-abortion positions and their partnering with Planned Parenthood, and I called the article the National Association for the Abortion of Colored People. Ooh, they didn't, they didn't like, like that. No, they didn't like it at and all. And they sued you they over They sued that. me, they sued the Radiance Foundation, and two years in federal court oh. over a free speech issue I mean, not only free speech, it was honest free speech, but Alliance Defending Freedom represented us, and we Great prevailed, and we, and we won. And so this Good. book is birthed. They're a Great. Great organization to help people who otherwise would be out there in no man's land. Yes. I'm so grateful for that. Ryan, I'm grateful for you. I want to tell you, I hope people will get your book because you're an articulate, thoughtful, a uh, bold individual, and you're going across the country and making a huge difference, not just for life, but for talking straight to people, not just on Christian campuses, but secular campuses, yes. where maybe they're not all that happy to hear what you have to say, but it's hard for them not to hear your story because it's your story and it's powerful. You can find out more about Ryan Baumberger and the Radiance Foundation, including this book, Not Equal, Civil Rights Gone Wrong, you can book him as a speaker. Follow Ryan on Twitter, at Ryan Baumberger. It is on your screen. Write it down to get the spelling right. Keith, why don't you tell us what we have coming up next? Up next, American Sniper with Otea Kyle and Mike's funny news headlines, in case you missed it. Plus, the Fed Up Brothers, comedian Jeff Allen, and Grammy-nominated artist Danny Gokey. All on Huckabee. Welcome back. Well, the story of my next guest, late husband, Navy SEAL Chris Kyle, was told in the hit film, American Sniper. Since his murder, she's carried on his legacy of helping service members through the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. She's got a brand new book, and it is a masterpiece. It's called American Spirit, Profiles in Resilience, Courage, and Faith. It's a true honor to welcome a dear friend, Taya Kyle. Taya, so nice to have you here. Thank you. I am amazed that you can be prolific with a book like this because this is the story of great Americans that many people have never heard of. If people are down on the country or if yeah. they think that we're falling apart and there's no hope for us, I, I, I tell you, read your book, yep. The American Spirit. And, and you'll say, you know, there's a lot of good America still out there. Right, and I think one of the things that's interesting about this is I stayed completely away from politics. You have no idea in these stories what their politics are. And I think that's an intriguing element to it so that people can say, what would happen if for just a minute we set that aside and just treated each other as human beings and neighbors and said, I see your pain, I'm here to show up and help you. It's, it's incredible. How'd you get the idea for this book? So I was out doing speaking engagements across the country, and of course, I was on the news with you a couple times, yeah. and I was listening to the news, and I thought, but there's this other dynamic that I'm seeing out here where people would come to me and tell me of their hardships, and they'd tell me about other people who showed up for them, or how they turned their hardship into this work of passion and purpose where they made the world better. You know, Taya, when I visit with you, you have such radiance, a joy, a, a beautiful smile, and I think about the pain and the agony that you went through, first of all, your husband does four tours of intense combat. Right. Unbelievable heroism. Yeah. He came back. You had to watch him sort of rebuild his life from all of that he had seen and been a part of. And it looked like things were going to get back to normal. Yeah. And then he gets murdered. Yeah. He survives all those combat missions and gets killed by a veteran who, who for reasons we'll never fully understand. 
Right. How did you get through that? You know, there is this truth to the Bible where it says your trials and tribulations will bring great joy. And I always thought that was crap. I'm like, really? I don't, I'm not really sure, right? But then now that I've lived it, I see that it wasn't just Chris's murder. There was so many other betrayals and hardships and abuse and things that were coming at me from all different angles at the same time. And now that I've survived that and I've seen that my faith has gotten me through that, I go, what's not to smile about? Because nothing really can hurt me. I mean, if that happened and God saw me through all of that, not just Chris's murder, but Chris's murder was the biggest thing and then everything else piled on top. If God can see me through that, then I have nothing to fear. There are a lot of people out there who are going through things and they wonder, can they ever come back? Right. Will there ever be resilience in their lives? Right. That's the hope that you have shared with people. Yes, and that's in that story, I'm glad you say that because in this book, there are so many stories of people that you hear their, their path and you go, there's no way, how did that happen to them? And my heart breaks for them as I mm. read the story, but then you see how their resilience changes because of the hardship and they come out realizing they were stronger than they ever thought. I think it shows you that for everyone in every hardship, because we'll all have hardship, there is something that will come out of it if you let it and it will be resilience, it'll be strength, it'll be faith if you invite that in. Everything will be better, but Nobody wants to go through the hard time. I wouldn't either. I'd change it still, even though I'm stronger and better for it. You know, Taya, uh, you, you met dozens of people and wrote about them in the book, but was there, was there one that just stands out that really got to you? One that really got to me was, um, it's Heroes and Horses, and it's this guy, Micah Fink. And I think what got to me is his poetry in this journey from you know, starting out in New York and he sees the Twin Towers go down and then he signs up for the military, he ends up being a SEAL. And then the trauma and, and hardship that he faces, he takes this fascinating journey through jungles and, and he starts seeing beauty and like a flower that's growing in his yard. I mean, it's, there's so many things that are unfolding in that story. And in the end, he ends up taming wild Mustangs and bringing, in Montana, and bringing other warriors out and saying, there's something you have to connect with this raw man and beast part of you in order to heal. You have to connect with this bigger part of life. And I, but I just, I love that story. Your remarkable story, uh, Clint Eastwood did a masterpiece of yeah, putting did. American Sniper, the movie together. And then the book, American Wife that, that you wrote. And this one may be the best of all, American oh. Spirit, because it's just so encouraging. We need to be reminded that there are really really wonderful people yeah. all around us if we just look for them. I agree. We need this. Thank you. Taya, thank you so much. What a blessing to have thank you, you with us. Thank you. Taya Kyle's inspiring new book, American Spirit, Profiles in Resilience, Courage, and Faith, available on Amazon and, of course, all top booksellers. Now, you can also keep up with her online at tayakyle.com. Well, Keith Bilbrey is going to demonstrate his American spirit He's going to tell us what we have coming up next. Well, coming up, in case you missed it, the Venom Brothers, the comedy of Jeff Allen and Danny Gokey performed right here on Huckabee. Welcome back. Now, if you subscribe to my Twice Daily newsletter, you'd already know that Bernie Sanders will spend your taxes and you'll know why the president's border security actions were okay when President Obama did them, but are evil and heinous when President Trump does them. Yes, you'll know that. You can go to MikeHuckabee.com, sign up, and that's where you can also become my Facebook friend. Don't you want to do that? And sign up to follow me on Twitter, all at MikeHuckabee.com. Now, from the unspeakably ugly dogs to seals that can sing. We've got the news that'll make you an animal lover on a segment we call In Case You Missed It. Now we're all familiar with the music of the Beatles and the animals and the eagles, but how many of us have ever bought a record by the Gray Seals? Well, it may not be that far off in the future. You see, researchers at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland have been hard at work teaching gray seals to sing, starting at birth, trying to help them to learn vocally. Now, if you're ready, check this out. <laughs> Can 
Kind of sounds like your kid's first violin lesson, right, huh? <laughs> By the way, in a related story, a new TV show, Aquatica's Got Talent is set to premiere this fall. <laughs> All right, hey, here's a question. Do you know what dogs and cell phones have in common? They both have collar ID. <laughs> Did you get that? Collar ID, right? Yeah, might be the worst segue ever. Speaking of dogs, Petaluma, California is host of the world's ugliest dog contest this year. Over 19 pooches with attributes that only a Rottweiler could love are vying to be the ugliest dog in the world this year. And may I just say that it's shaping up to be an unsightly affair. Oh, by the way, Governor. Yeah, Keith. Do you know what you call a dog magician? No. It's a, a labracadabrador. Uh, I really wish that I had a subwoofer so I could drown that last joke out for our viewers and they would never have to be subject to it again. But the best news is all these dogs are loved by their owners and each brings its own unique looks to the stage. Like little Tostito with his hangdog tongue and frazzled appearance. Or how about this one? Willy Wonka is his name. He was abandoned because of his extreme bowed legs. Well, each of these canines are truly spokesdogs for animal adoption and care. And the contest for ugliest dog is not without some other perks. One dog named Nana even made the cover of a rock band. We wish all the competitors well, and may the ugliest dog win, indeed. And speaking of an ugly dog, what do you get when you cross a cocker spaniel, a poodle, and a rooster? A cocker doodle doo. Okay, moving on, yes. We all remember the Cindy Lauper song, Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. Well, that's not the case in Lancashire, England, where Roy and Brenda Pickard are living in a real-life version of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Two herring seagulls built a nest on the Pickard's roof and are guarding a couple of chicks. Now, Roy says every time they try to leave the house, the gulls are right there swooping in on the attack. They asked the local government for some help and were told that the gulls are protected. Pickards are not. <laughs> Maybe the pickards should seek some endangered species status for themselves. The gulls are certainly doing their best to help. Well, of course, the pickards aren't the only ones whose lives are like a real-life version of an Alfred Hitchcock movie. For instance, Maxine Waters and Robert De Niro could star in Psycho. Or socialist presidential candidate Bernie Sanders in The Wrong Man. But considering how upside down Washington has become, no doubt that the entire Congress would star in a real version of Vertigo. Well, before we wrap things up, I wanted to mention that I was thinking about getting a tattoo of the word tattoo. But my wife Janet said it'd be far too redundant. Well, our producers recently saw a few tattoo fans and they got tattoos of their favorite celebrities, but some of them didn't turn out quite right. But rather than be judgmental, we thought we'd let you, our audience, decide. So first up, a great actor and dancer, the late Patrick Swayze. Now, it's not his face or even those buffed guns of his. <laughs> it's more the lower part of his torso. I mean, come on. The guy played football in high school, but he never was the centaur. <laughs> and then there's this tattoo of Bob Marley. I mean, whoa, sure looks a lot like Jimi Hendrix to me. <laughs> I don't think everything is going to be all right this time, man. <laughs> but finally, I mean, if you were down to just choosing one celebrity for your tattoo, who would it be? Brad Pitt, maybe Sandra Bullock? What about Mari Povich? Yeah, probably Maury. I mean, <laughs> one person decided to have Maury Povich's image tattooed on their body. I just hope they weren't the father of the baby. <laughs> well, like a cliff diver, when the tide is out, hey, we've run out of time, but never forget, we read the news.
Well, folks, we're just getting started tonight, but don't worry, we're all done with In Case You Missed It, and it's pathetically bad puns and jokes. I'm right now going to turn it over to Keith Bilbrey to let you know what we have coming up that's even better than what you just heard, I promise. Uh, make me follow that act, thanks. Next on Huckabee, inspiring business leaders, the Benham Brothers and comedian Jeff Allen. Later, the hit-making sounds of singer Danny Gokey. Don't go away. And welcome back. President John F. Kennedy said that we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. I want to encourage you to call our Visit Samaritan's Purse website and live by the words of Jesus to do unto others by giving us a generous gift to help heal our patriots. They have given so much to protect us and to protect this land. We owe it to them. We should help them to be restored physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you'll reach out through Samaritan's Purse today. Well, my next guests are twins who built a real estate empire, but to them, faith always comes first. They're also very sought-after speakers and best-selling authors. Their latest book is this called Bold and Broken, Becoming the Bridge Between Heaven and Earth. Welcome David and Jason, the Benham Brothers. Guys, good to have you here. Good to be here, man. The hardest thing I've always had, because when I say you're twins, you're like, you're really twins. You know, we're One of you married a Tory, the other married a Lori, and right. I know that you guys looked all over the place so you could marry. We did, we did not try that, trust me. His wife chased me around for You know, I was just about years. to say the same thing what? about his. She found what? out that I was taken, she had to settle for second best. I <laughs> 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 stole my line. Well, it's gonna he be a real chilly Thanksgiving table around the Benham household <laughs> this year. This book is, I, I was fascinated by the title. Because I looked at it bold and broken. I'm thinking, that's kind of a contradiction. Right. Yeah. So how can you be bold and broken? Boldness, apart from brokenness, makes a bully. See, when you're standing in the gap that brings the bridge between heaven and earth, that brings the connection between God and those who are disconnected, it takes a, a, an element of boldness, but there's, there's ditches on both sides of the road. And the one is that if bold, boldness without brokenness makes you a bully, but on the other side, and this is where a lot in the church find themselves today, and I think mm. you would agree with this, brokenness apart from boldness makes a bystander. Hmm. So by brokenness, we mean submitted to God, submitted to his authority. And then he can use your boldness to stand and become that bridge to God. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys first really, I, I guess, surfaced on the national scene when you were getting uh, ready to launch a brand new television show about what you've been doing, which is taking real estate properties, turning them, rebuilding them, selling at a profit. You had extraordinary success all over the country doing that. And a, a show was going to feature it. Yeah. And it was going to be a hit. Yeah. And then just before it launched, yep. somebody found a testimony you had given in church where you took a stand for life and a stand for biblical marriage. Right. That's right. That was the end of that. And so we found ourselves having to really deal with how do we stand boldly and also be compassionate for the people. You know, while we want to reach out to individuals with compassion, we still see these agendas to transform the values that built this country. We have to resist those with courage. And it's interesting as we were writing this book, I, Jason and I jumped on a plane to St. Louis. He was, he was uh, sitting by the uh, window, ugly face sleeping. I was here on the aisle and we had a middle seat in between us and this lady comes walking up. I had my Bible open. And this lady comes walking up and she says, I'm sitting between you. I said, okay, great. I stand up, I help her to her seat, get her bag up. We sit down and she looks at me and goes, I want you to know that I am a flaming liberal feminist and I believe nothing like you. I'm like, what? What? That's a nice hello. Please that would have that would have terrified me. Here, ma'am, let me get your bag back down and you can that's put right. it on. <laughs> so at first, <laughs> that's the key. But at first, I feel this boldness coming over, like I am going to dissect her worldview and I'm gonna show her why our values work. Well, then the Holy Spirit checked my heart and said, just listen to her. Hmm. So I asked her permission. Would you mind if I opened my Bible and just read to you a couple of verses out of Psalm 139? And I went to the part where I formed you in your mother's womb. Hmm. You know, before your unformed substance, my eyes saw your unformed substance. And I, I began reading that. This lady, her chin starts quivering 
Tears start streaming down her face. And she says to me, I can't believe I'm saying this to you because my entire adult life, I've had a recurring dream. And then she stopped and she said, and I was, I was adopted uh, at birth. And she said, and in this recurring dream, I'm in the incubator looking up at the doctors and nurses and screaming at them, don't worry about me, I'll take care of myself. She, she got right to the heart of her feminism mm. immediately. And I said to her, I said, you know, the root of your beliefs and the root of your worldview is a pain of abandonment. God was always there. He's always been there and he loves you and his presence is right here. And she's like, I, I need Jesus. You know, it was just amazing. Now, like I said, amen, amen. <laughs> See, that's a beautiful story. And I, I love the fact that you've mixed bold and broken. And what you said earlier, Jason, I know you were asleep during most of what your brother just I, said. I did check out um, mentally. <laughs> but you, you did make the comment that I thought was so powerful. A lot of Christians think that they're being better Christians yeah. because they're only broken. And they're, they think that meekness in the scripture means weakness. Yeah, that's wrong. And we're losing a lot of battles You're out right. there because right. people don't want to engage because they don't want to get their feelings hurt and they don't want people to hate them. Look, there's, there's only one thing that can set people free, and that's the truth. But in order mm. to bring the truth into a situation like what David did, you have to die to what you're going to be perceived. And in that moment, it's gonna take a spiritual element yeah. of boldness. And if you do, God promises that you'll become a bridge. And I think your timing and bringing this message could not be better. Praise <laughs> the Lord. But you've never triggered anybody. Every day. You've never done it. <laughs> I probably triggered some people in the audience tonight, for heaven's sake. Didn't even intend to. And these are generally the people that kind of like me because they come to my show. That's right. right. That's awesome. I even messed them up. Well, I want you to know David and Jason Benham's new book, Bold and Broken, it's available right now at their website, along with so much more at BenhamBrothers.com. That's BenhamBrothers.com. Well, Keith Bilbrey is your bridge to the rest of the show, and he's going to tell you what's on the other side of that bridge. So, Keith. Well, funny man Jeff Allen and singer Danny Gokey's new hit song are both coming up on Huckabee. Welcome back. Our next guest is an incredibly funny man, and you've seen and you've heard him all over America in comedy clubs as well as on television. His appearance last year on our show brought the house down. And you know why? Because he's the best at what he does, making people laugh as hard as humanly possible. I want you to welcome back one of our favorites, Mr. Jeff Allen. So nice to be back, actually. It's even nicer they dropped the charges and let me come back to this fine studio. So, yeah. Next month, my wife and I have been married 33 years. Thank you. People ask me all the time, uh, after 30 plus years, how do you keep the romance alive? I said, we don't. Who needs that kind of pressure? It took me 20 years to get Tammy's expectations low enough of me to where I can meet him on a regular basis. <laughs> Not that we don't try. I mean, we're reading a new book we, uh, called Five Love Languages. Uh, we, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called Five Love Languages. Uh, we, Tammy and I have read that book twice because we haven't seen our love language in there. Uh, <laughs> apparently, bitterness and sarcasm isn't part of Dr. Gary Chapman's love life. It's all about communication, that's what you hear. It's about communication. You have to learn how your spouse communicates. It takes time. It took me two years of marriage to figure out my wife will never tell me to do anything around our home. If she wants me to do something, she'll ask me a question. It's from that question that I gotta stand there and figure out what it is she wants me to do. <laughs> Simple example, say I leave a pair of my underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor. It's a hypothetical, we all know no man could be that insensitive. But let's just say it happens. That frosts my wife. That's her word when she's angry with me. Jeffrey, that frosts me. <laughs> if I'm not frosted, I'm driving her up a wall. That's another one. Kids would come in, where's mom? She's up the wall with frostbite, that's all I know. 
and you won't believe what put her there, boy. It was that pair of underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor. I think you're looking at the most powerful piece of cotton on the planet. So I leave my underwear in the middle of the room, which froths my wife. Now, would she come to me and say to me, pick those up? That's three words, pick those up. Would she say them? No, because that would be simple, direct, and right to the point. And at that moment, we would be communicating at the highest human level, the way God intended it, through language. Tammy looks at me, looks at my underwear, and then asks, are those yours? Well, I sure hope they are, otherwise I got a few questions of my own. <laughs> what do you want? That's the only question a man has for his wife. What do you want? Quit talking in code and tell me what you want. Many a night I walked around my home with a coat hanger strapped to my skull. My kids are going, what are you doing, Dad? I'm trying to divine what your mother wants. There's gotta be a signal in this house somewhere. My favorite question, we weren't even married three months, and she, this is my favorite question. I'm leaving the house, I have golf clubs on my shoulder, golf shoes in my hand, and every married person in America knows what she asked me. Where are you going? <laughs> I was only married a few months, I didn't know any better. I said, I'm going bowling, Columbo. You know. <laughs> well, if you're taking notes, that would be the wrong answer. <laughs> two, months, uh, two hours later, I was still in my living room. Just tell me what it is about, please, baby. You know what it's about? It's about the right answer. It's knowing why your beautiful, intelligent wife would ask such a banal question. I know better today. If I'm leaving the house today with golf clubs and Tammy says, where are you going? Oh, I'm gonna put these in the trunk and I'm gonna come back and mow the lawn. <laughs> See, my parents had their own love language. My parents were married 57 years before my mother passed away. And they spoke their own language. That last Christmas, we knew it would be mom's last. She was going through ovarian cancer. We knew she wouldn't make another year. And she was sitting on the couch doing her crochet. The kids were on the floor watching a Christmas movie and stuff. My dad was in his chair. And then out of nowhere, my father starts serenading my mother in their special love language. My mother didn't miss a beat. She puts down the crochet, she goes into the kitchen, comes back 10 minutes later with two hot dogs and a soda pop for her husband. How cool is that? So that night, I'm laying in bed with my wife and I ask her, did you see that today between my parents? She goes, what, that whole thing with my parents? She goes, I did, and I go, you think we'll ever get there, you and me? Tammy says, shoot me if we do. You start hocking hairballs at me like that, it's over. That was one of the most vile, disgusting things I've ever seen in public. I almost blew my dinner all over our kid's head. You guys have been great. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, what I love about your humor is that we can all see it, and we've lived too much of it. It's cheaper than therapy, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, before we go anywhere, that your green room, the food in there is, is amazing. Donuts, are you kidding me? <laughs> Donuts, in this day and age. No, we had food when we were growing up. Uh, we had food, that's what we yeah. had, food. And we ate it because kids were starving in China. That's all you knew. <laughs> you starving in China, you eat it. There's no correlation, no, you know, just, and my father used to give us what we called man food, with sardines in a can, disgusting stuff. That is disgusting. It is, and he'd go and put hair in your chest. I'm, I'm eight years old, but I thought, well, okay, so that's a good thing. And he says, every man wants hair in his chest. So who knew in the 21st century, every American male would be waxing all the hair off his body? I'm not making this up. So a year ago, Tammy comes to me, and she says, I want you to look into the waxing thing. I think it would look sexy. Well. 30 plus years of marriage, if your wife says something's gonna look sexy, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Anything that can move that motor, you know? I will, so I did, I'm not making this up. She leaves town, and I decide I'm gonna surprise her. So I go to get waxed. <laughs> <laughs> that first rip, I, I let out a sound. I know only dogs heard it, only dogs. I mean, it was, nothing came out. It was. A, and I was gonna tell her, stop, not another one. And I looked in the mirror, and it was this strip of bare skin amongst like all these weeds, you know? So, 
Anyway, I figured, all right, I gotta go through it. And I said, just do it. She's like, <laughs> and I'm dying. I mean, I'm crying. I'm like, you know, I know she's thinking, you men. I go, no, I'm sorry. But... So anyway, I'm pink. I get down, it's this raw pink. I look like a big piece of bazooka bubble gum, which all I kept thinking was she'll, she'll think this is sexy. So apparently my wife thinks bubble gum is sexy. So I'm... Anyway, I surprise her. She, she comes home, I, I got a shirt on, I go into the bathroom, I take the shirt off, and I'm wearing some shorts, and I walk out. And it took her a couple seconds. She goes, oh my goodness, what did you do? I said, I got waxed. You said it would be, she goes, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. <laughs> She says, she says, you look like Patrick from SpongeBob. <laughs> Which I'm gonna walk out on a limb and think, not a woman on the planet thinks Patrick is sexy. So I, anyway, it, it, the pelt is back. What a good thing it is. Jeff, <laughs> the, the, the comedy tour, the America I grew up in. You know, when I think of that, I'm thinking about an America that we're, we're, we just don't even know exists anymore. I think that's what makes your stuff so funny is because you're reminding us of a lot of our growing up and, and the adventures of life. So when you go out there, do you have people that say, man, I hadn't thought about those things well, since I was a yeah, kid? And what's interesting is I slept through the change. I just kind of woke up when my granddaughters, I, like I took her to the park. The slide is six feet high, made out of plastic. And I go, this isn't a slide. She'd go four inches and stop, four inches and stop, four inches. That's a scoot. That's not a slide. <laughs> and she's like, wee, Papa, wee, Papa, wee, Papa. <laughs> and I get home, I told Tammy, we had a six-story high, solid steel. <laughs> Maybe July would hit a temperature of 285 degrees. I mean, it's glowing red. You lose two layers of skin all the way down. You know? <laughs> Nobody cared. Another layer when you hit the ground, picking gravel out of your thigh, you know. And now it's wee, Papa, wee, Papa. <laughs> And of course, I went to shove her. I wanted to shove my granddaughter so she could slide. And as soon as I put my hand on her back, I felt six iPhones on my back. Go ahead, old man. Yeah, yeah you wanted to be on YouTube. We'll get you out. We're live Facebook right now. What's wrong with this country? What do you think that has happened We've to us? We've lost our sense of humor. We really have. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the comments I get sometimes on my Facebook page make me laugh. I did a, a video that went viral on spanking. And who knew that? I did not know. My kids are long grown, and I, and I, and I spanked him when he was two. He was putting a fork into a light socket, so I, I, didn't, I didn't think a chat would yeah. work, you know? I wouldn't do that. Oh, thank you, wise one. I was, you know, I think I'll take a time out and ponder our chat. You know? So I went, no, bam! You know, and I shared that, and his people were just, like, appalled, you know? Fans were going, I can't be your fan, you're into child abuse. And I go, all right, I don't, I don't. I, again, I slept through it. I, don't, I didn't know it was bad. You know, you're doing a lot of corporate events now because uh, so many comedians will not do college campuses anymore. Jerry Seinfeld said he's done right. with them because everybody gets so offended by everything. Right. Is there any hope for us ever getting the back where we can laugh at ourselves? It, and... It'll happen. Everything, the pendulum swings. And I can tell you when, because I started comedy in 78. So it was about the mid-80s, I started noticing some changes yeah. in what I could talk about as a, uh, well, I was, uh, you know, and I finally realized everything I, I do now is first person and uh, about my life. And I figure if you're gonna come at me for that, then <laughs> I, I'm not gonna worry about it. I, I'm, you know, just stay out of my life. Well, I gotta tell you, we want you back as often as you will come. We love Jeff Allen around here, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you. And let me just say, if you want to laugh some more with this incredibly funny man, He's also done a bonus specially just for you, and you can watch it as a very special digital exclusive at Huckabee.tv. So head over to Huckabee.tv after the show for more hilarious comedy with Jeff Allen. And don't miss Jeff Allen's The America I Grew Up in Comedy Tour this summer. Details are online with a lot of other funny stuff to watch and enjoy. That's at JeffAllenComedy.com, JeffAllenComedy.com. Com. Hey, Keith, it's going to be tough to top one of the kings of comedy, so don't try to be funny. As Joe Friday would say, just the facts, sir. Just the facts. Well, the facts are up next, the award-winning sounds of Danny Gokey. Huckabee's back in 60 seconds. Welcome back. My next guest has a number one Billboard hit album and 
a song on the charts right now. It just won Male Artist of the Year at the K-Love Fan Awards. So, I mean, a lot of things are breaking his way. He has come a long way since placing third on season number eight of American Idol. His latest hit is the album's title track, Haven't Seen It Yet. Please welcome, you know him, you love him, Danny Gokey. Danny, great having you here. Hey, Governor, how you doing? I'm great. What a thrill having you. It's great to be here. Um, besides the wardrobe malfunction, <laughs> my shirt keeps wanting to droop down. You know, Simon Cowell, when we were on American Idol, he had like this drooping, sloping shirt. He was just so showing off his chest hair. Well, all he was we doing. don't want to show off mine, that's for sure. <laughs> no male cleavage in this room tonight. None at all. <laughs> no, thank you. You know, we're, we're excited, the timing of your being here, right after the K-Love Fan Awards. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, Male Artist of the Year. Well, you know, and it's, it's different than, so a lot of the industry award shows are, you know, it's industry voting. This was a fan voted. I think yeah. it's the only one in our genre, fan voted award show, a big one. And it just says something when you have the approval of the fans as well, because that's what we're trying to reach. We're trying to reach the people who are at home, the people who were like me. Before I got into music, I was listening to the music. You know what I mean? When you were listening, did you ever say, that's me in 10 years, 20 years? Did you think that? I remember specifically at 19 years old, I felt the Lord really tell me that he was gonna use me. And he was gonna yeah. use me in a capacity bigger than I. And I literally, when he told me, I was like, me? I mean, I, I had, I was like, why me? You know, but, and, but I was so amazed at it. So I always had that in the back of my mind when I was going through hard times. Cause I remember I was about 20, I was about 22 years old when I felt the Lord say, do not pursue a music career. I want mm. you to serve the local church. Take your gift and serve the local church. So I had, and, and basically the essence was, if you build my kingdom, I'll build yours. Wow. And I remember just laying it all down saying, God, you can have my music, you can have it all. I'm gonna serve the local church and I'm gonna serve the people with my gifting. And little did I know that, that God was building, he was developing my character. He was developing something on the inside of me that I couldn't see in the moment. But when I was going through the hard times, because trust me, the hard times came, I had to choose to believe what God saw and what he showed me versus what I'm seeing in the instant or in the moment. You've got a great song that is out and just on fire all over the country called Haven't Seen It Yet. You co-wrote it. You want to tell us a little about the song, how it yes. developed in your heart and soul? It, well, it was for the people in mind. I was writing it for the people who, who have prayed the prayers, who have cried yeah. the tears who thought that the place that they'd be in right now would be much different than where they are, but they feel like they're still in that wilderness, in that desert. What I learned is that you gotta look back. Don't forget what he's done, because remembering what he's done allows you to move forward. And this is a song to bring to people who feel disappointed, to encourage them to say, listen, you're closer than you think you are. You know, the song has a great message, but you have just given us a phenomenal message to take to heart. Danny Gokey, thank you. And let me just say this, while Danny is getting ready to perform, Keith is gonna tell you how to get Danny's music and a whole lot more. So Keith, tell us. Danny Gokey's Haven't Seen It Yet is available now wherever music is sold and streamed. Danny's Hope Encounter Tour kicks off this fall. Now for schedule and ticket information, go to dannygokey.com and make sure you go to huckabee.tv for a digital bonus song from Danny. But right now, here to sing is Danny Gokey. Like the brightest sunrise Waiting on the other side Of the 